If you enjoy listening to inspirational stories from people just like us, facing the fear and doing it anyway, then you're in the right place. My name is Claire Hill and this is the No Rest for the Vivid podcast. Hello, welcome to the No Rest for the Vivi podcast. My name is Claire Hill. I'm the founder of the Vivi Club, but also the person to help you transform from a warrior to a warrior boss. Today, I have Sarah Alex Carter here to share her story, which is a very powerful one. I met Sarah at a Money Mavens event in January, and I'm really honoured to have had her on the podcast to share what has made her be the person she is today and being able to share her story to help others it's really inspirational so please enjoy while I have your attention um it's the excuse my google alert we are I am hosting the Vivi Club Festival from Tuesday the 18th of April to Thursday the 20th of April and it is a so there's going to be lots of options of training from me, lots from me, but also from the Vivi Club members themselves. It is going to be an amazing event because we are going to help you to amplify your strengths, inject more joy into your business, but also to support you to transform from a warrior to a warrior boss. And that is my mission to do that. So if you are interested, click the link in the show notes to get your free ticket um, if you have any questions, please send me an email, claire at clairehill.uk. Nice and simple email address now, isn't it? Um, but yeah, if you've got any questions, let me know. Enjoy this episode. If, if any of this resonates with you and you feel inspired, please get in touch with Sarah. I know she'll really appreciate the feedback and the comments. All right. Enjoy. Hello, wonderful human. <laughs> Hello. Oh, it's so good to see you. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, and thank you. Are you having a good day? I am, yes. I'm having a really good day. It's half term here in Wales at the moment. So, uh, yeah, having a nice week with the kids. Amazing. Um, Because currently half terms and stuff matter to you, but soon. I know. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll allude to that later on. Uh, yeah. But I've had the pleasure of meeting you recently in real life. And that's actually the first time we met. And that never really happens like in my world now. Normally I meet somebody on Instagram first or, you know, a social network. Yeah. But I met you in the flesh. And yeah. I remember the first, as soon as I saw you, you walked in with that leopard skirt on. And I was like, oh, she's a bit of me. And I was like instantly drawn to you because obviously I'm obsessed <laughs> with animal print. But um, yeah. you then, and we, we didn't really chat on the first day, I don't think. And then the second day, because we were, um, we did an in-person event with Josie and Charlotte from the Money Mavens, who have been on the podcast as well. You can go and listen to their episode. Um, and so we're in their world and you were there. Yeah. And then we, st- you said something, well, you said, said something about your book. And I was like, oh, you're writing, you're writing a book? I'm writing a book. So then I was like, oh, she's, I, I love her even more now. And then um, you said something about shining your light and you made me cry. Oh, <laughs> I know. And I was yeah. like, can you text me what you said? Because I need to yeah. write it down. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, uh, anyway, you walked into my life about six weeks ago, a month ago. Yeah. And here you are on the podcast. We've had a yeah. virtual cup of tea and it's just nice. 
it's been so good I think it's meant to be as well you know one of those just meetings and I got a bit fan I was I was a bit fangirly because I was like oh when you listen to someone on someone's podcast and you it's strange because you sort of start to get to know them I forgot Even, this bit because you said to me yeah. aren't you the fit aren't you the wire girl and I didn't yeah. like, I didn't get what you said even though like I'm what anyway <laughs> you said that at the lunch on the first day and I was like no I don't yeah. think so and you went oh I thought I thought you made like your vivid wire on you I was like oh yeah I am. yeah yeah and I was a bit oh. like oh my gosh have I got the right person and yeah, I was like yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure that was the <gasps> first time anyone's ever done that oh see I'll be asking for your autograph oh. next <laughs> it was just like oh my god you've listened to me before you've met me and you know who I, I was so cool yeah um but yeah no it was really it was really really lush that whole event was really really amazing um but then we had a little virtual couple because well I'm not going to say why because you can tell your story yeah. but I've just gone into how you know how I've fallen in love with you and all of that so <laughs> do you want to tell people <laughs> what's, what's your name where do you come from? What's your story? guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. So, yeah, so I'm Sarah Alex Carter. And as you can hear from my voice, I'm Welsh and I live here in South Wales um, with my husband and my two children. And we've got a little rescue Patdale terrier called Gwen. And yeah, so my background is, do you want me to kind of launch into a once upon a time? Yeah. once upon a time just tell tell all the yeah. details I think everybody the feedback I get from people is they love a story on this podcast yeah how well, it once, all began yeah once upon a time I decided to become a teacher <laughs> <laughs> Been there. So, yeah I know my gosh that was 20 years ago so 20 years ago I decided I'm going to become a teacher and what's really interesting I don't know if I've told this story to anyone apart from people who know me is that I went into teaching because I wanted to do art therapy. Right. So it was never my intention to become a teacher. It was to become an art therapist. And at the time you could only do art therapy if you'd had clinical practice or if you'd worked with children or young people. And I thought, right, this is a way in. I can study and do my PGC. Yep. And then I can go on to do my art therapy. And 20 years later, currently, I'm a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> currently. <laughs> currently. So, yeah, 20 years ago, started teaching. And my background is art and design. So I love all your creativity and I love all the stuff that you do. And I've taught art and design to all ages Um and at the moment, I teach illustration to degree students, and I've done that now for um, seven, eight years. But yeah, I've done a bit of everything with teaching, and it's been an amazing foundation for my business and what I'm doing now. And it's taught me so much. I think when you're a teacher, the best teachers, I'm blowing my own trumpet. <laughs> Good. We like to blow our own trumpets. I think the best teachers are the ones that keep learning. Yes. They're not, they're not the ones who just kind of say, well, I know it all. And what can you teach me? Yeah, because you've got to be a good teacher. If you're teaching how to love learning, if you don't love learning yourself, then how can you teach how to love learning? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I find, you know, if I was teaching the stuff I'm, I was teaching 20 years ago still, 
that would be really dry and boring and yeah. it's just as soon as you get that kind of thirst for knowledge so I think I'm a perpetual student I'm like yeah. a lifelong learner definitely and so then as part of being a teacher there's the pressure there's the expectation mm-hmm. and as part of that kind of desire to keep moving forward I'm very much an A-type so I love to achieve I'm very much kind of a driven person I decided that I was going to climb the academic career ladder and that would involve things like an MA, a PhD, writing courses, attending conferences, publishing papers and so I did that and I then went on to write the degree course that I now currently teach on and at the same time I moved house had a baby and was not handling a general anxiety disorder very well at all and so my body decided to say stop (laughs) quite abruptly and it meant meant that I spent six months in uh, recovery mode from uh, a nervous breakdown what would be termed as a nervous breakdown and so I found myself six years ago in a life that I had built based on expectations expectations of a career and what I should be doing and everything just had to be stripped away because mm. if I was to continue and to to carry on being the mum, the wife, the sister, all of those really good things first, I needed to get myself in a in the right place. Mm. So I had to go through a huge period of I, I wouldn't say unlearning the bad habits, but replacing them, replacing mm. bad habits, replace replacing bad thinking. And out of that came this incredible opportunity to say, what do I really want? And so the journey continued then. I went back to work. I cut my hours to part-time. I stepped back as course leader because it was all stripped away. It was like, right, if I'm not the achiever, if I'm not the course leader, if I'm not Sarah the go-getter, then who am I? Mm. And I really had to dig deep and find out, right, what do I really want? And I met with a coach um, because I was at a crossroads and I was like, do I continue this academic route or is there something else? And I just knew there was something else. I knew deep down I was living a life of should Mm. and that there was something else for me, but I didn't know what it was. So I met with a coach, which I would recommend to anyone to get someone in your corner who can put a pair of eyes on your life from a very objective point of view and say, why do you do what you do? Where do you want to go next? Mm. And it was, it was my love of writing. And that came out, that came out in that coaching session. It was 90 minutes of just realization of, I want to write. I want to share my story. I want to share other people's story, be a writer. And as a result of that, I wrote the book, Upward, um, my first self-development book. Which and I have here. I, yeah. On YouTube if you're watching. I've got so, my da, da, copy. Da, da, da. Oh, look at us. Yeah. Oh. 
we're twinning. <laughs> um, yeah, so I wrote my book. I'd started blogging, writing for magazines, wrote my book, and out of the book then came the business, which mm-hmm. is a year old, and that is all about well-being and well-being coaching, supporting others to help them not get to the place that I went. That's the key. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. And so was it, so how did, so you wrote the book. Yeah. How did you start that journey of formulating the idea and getting the writing process underway? So it started with, it started with the idea of writing for joy and it had no monetary value attached to it Mm. so the writing came from a place of I'm doing this because I love it and it's just pure joy Mm. for me and so I started with a blog so there was a blog that I wrote I wrote weekly and that got me into the groove of writing Mm. because even though I've written all my life and I talk about writing as though it's that boyfriend next door. It's the good friend that you've got next door that is always there for you. They're always around um, and you don't realise that they end up being the love of your life. Absolutely. That is such a good, that is such a good, um, oh God, that's just like exactly what it is because, anyway, sorry, I've just, no, how much I love writing as well. Yeah. Literally talk about writing all day. Go on. Sorry. And no, no, absolutely. And it is, it just kind of dawned on me. I was like, this has been here all my life. It's something I've done all my life, but it's been in various guises. And sometimes we so often think to be a writer, you've got to do a certain, or to be a creative. Yeah. You've got to do a certain thing or be a specialist in a certain area or really hone in on one thing. But writing is the one thing, but it's just taken loads of different guises. Like I wrote poetry when I worked, I used to work at the museum in Cardiff. I um wrote in my journals all the way through my university degree. My lectures used to it drove them crazy because they're like you're an illustration student you're meant to draw not write but I loved words and then I went on it like I say my career I wrote the course I loved writing you know the document for the course and all the documentation so focusing on the blog allowed me to be really creative really free and not to have any expectations put on me. So that was a brilliant place to start. And then out of that then came the book. And the book, I would love to say, my idea was, I'm gonna be sat in a cafe with my laptop, red on stripes, looking really chic, (laughs) typing up all these words and it's just all flowing and wonderful and I've got all this time for writing when in fact (laughs) it was written in between kids being ill COVID husband working in an ITU unit during COVID homeschooling teaching from home my students online and yeah, I remember my very first draft, which was the proposal, was written whilst my kids were throwing up. 
God. Oh, it was horrendous. And then when I submitted my final draft to my editor, my kids were ill again. Wow. And I was just like, yeah, this is real life. If you want something, you'll make it work. Yeah. You know, the heavens didn't open and I was given all this wonderful time to write the book. It was like, yeah, I want this to happen. So I'll just make it happen and I'll make it work. But it's, it's sort of like whenever that happens to me, like I, everything like that happens before I go into like a big, like massive action mode or, you know, like a selling yeah. period, stuff like that happen. And and I always think, oh, the universe is testing to see how much I want it. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. How much do you want this? How yeah. much? And that was like the case with the book as well, because I went down the traditional route of I'm going to be published mm by an amazing publisher and it's going to bring in all these amazing readers I'm going to sell you know all these copies and it's going to be this traditional publishing route because in my mind I felt that self-publishing was kind of almost like the the poor cousin if you like Mm. um but I kept getting no's from publishers so I put my proposal out which was 10,000 words plus the full proposal no, 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 you haven't got a big enough following. You're not a celebrity. This is a lovely idea. It sounds great, but we can't get behind it because you don't have enough traction. Um, you're not, and this is the this is the kicker, you're not an expert. Um, you don't have a PhD. Um, so there was lots of reasons why they didn't want to take me on. And I understand that because it's a risk. But that just kept fueling me. I was just like, right okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to self-publish. And I made the decision and I'm so glad I did. Good. Oh, that's good. That's really mm. interesting to know because it's like, as you're talking, it's such a mirror of of my journey. And I didn't realise until you said about being academic and how that love of writing goes through. Because when I started writing in a diary when I was eight years old, and I still write today so that's 30 years always writing reflective thoughts and handwriting Mm. I loved typing so if you know like when the who wants to do the minutes oh I'll do them like in a meeting or whatever so I just love typing Mm. but I did my degree I've like my master's degree went into education and would be writing you know I love sitting down at a lap. I'm just using words to describe. I used to write poetry yeah. when I was at school. Mm. All of those things that I didn't, I, until you've said that, string it all together of like, well, yeah, of course. And, and also I'm a bit of a last minute Linda about like, I remember my master's degree, like my dissertation. Mm. I I can write pretty fast. Like I can do 500 words in 10 minutes. So yeah. I've always sort of blagged it and everything, but that's not because it's just because it's easy. The words just come yes. out like you say, but I've, you know, as you know, I'm writing a book at the moment, yeah. I've fallen off the wagon of my plan because I've been ill. Mm. Um, but I'm over halfway of the first draft, but I want to go exactly the same as what you said. I want to go mm. down that traditional publishing route yeah. because to me, it feels like there's a, a validation, mm. but as you're talking, I'm thinking, but, yeah. Why do I need validation from a stranger to know that I've written a decent book? Yeah. So why do you feel that, the, like, having that mindset then and, and yeah. that um, attitude towards the uh, publishing, um, publishing the book traditionally, why mm. now do you feel that self-publishing is it was much better route for you? 
Yeah. So it's really good that you brought that up because it's validation. And it was as I was writing, I was very much thinking. So I'm from South Wales and from the Welsh Valleys. There, there is a heritage of being working class, being the underdog. And I come from a little village called Cumbach. And all the time, my voice inside was saying, who are you? Who are you to write Mm. a book? Why is your story so important that you feel like you've got to share it? And so to go the publishing traditional standard, you know, the big five publishers route was very much of that'll make it, that'll make it. Yeah. The, the kind of the validation and the, uh, confirmation that I need that I am someone yeah and so having all of those no's what was great for me was the book contained 16 interviews with other people and as I was interviewing them it became about their story and it that fooled me in thinking this isn't just about me this is about them and about their story and about getting that out and it got to the point where I was like I don't care whether a publisher takes me on or not, because these people's story need to be heard. And I thought self-publishing was going to be an absolute nightmare. And I thought that it was going to require so much more work. When I realized that when you go the traditional self, the traditional publishing route, they still don't market your book. You have to do that. Right. So they will have a PR team, but that PR team will do the bare minimum. It's still down to you to get your book out there, to meet with your audience, to get yourself visible on social media. When I realized that, I thought, that's what I'm looking for from a publisher, but they're not going to give it to me. So why don't I just do the self-publishing route, which is Mm -hmm. the door is open for the self-publishing route. There's no... There's no holding me back from doing that route. I'm I'm getting no's from the the traditional route. When I went the self-publishing route, I started to realize I can write what I want. Mm. I can include as much or as little content, which isn't going to be um, shaped in any way for a particular um, branding or identity of a publisher. It's going to sit with my identity and who I am as a writer. I can choose the cover. I can choose any design layout that I want. I have full control. Mm. Um, And then on top of that, I get to work with some amazing independent people and support them in their business, which was fantastic. I had this personal kind of service with my team that I got around me. So I had an editor, I had a proofreader, and I had a graphic designer. And the three of us work together. And then I'm kind of the engine behind it, driving the audience and the PR. But what I thought would be publish the book, get it on Amazon, off it goes. Yes, I'll do a bit on social media and promote it a bit. I thought, oh, that will be it. But actually what's happening now is there's podcasts, there's workshops, there's talks, there's now the audiobook coming out in April. There's this longevity that the book has taken on a life of its own, all of which I still have creative control over. Yeah. 
and it's in no one else's hands, I get a really nice little royalty through. I shouldn't say little. It's a royalty and it's a good royalty compared to what I would get if I was going the the publishing route, which I think is something like 12% after all the stuff they take away. Um, And there are really successful people out there self-publishing and I can still get my book into bookshops. I can still get it onto Audible and it's been bought across the world. And I just think, you know, it's sometimes I think it's important to take control of your own destiny with something that is so personal to you that you're not handing the power over to anybody else. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I'm just soaking it in. That's why I'm just feeling like. <laughs> it's so inspiring. You know, I I, I want, I'm going to yeah. have a published book, whether, yeah. you know, and Absolutely. I feel like it's talk, it, it is because I suppose it's going back to where we've come from that education and society um, mm. of those like social constructs and, and you're thinking, well, am I really an author if I haven't had my book traditionally mm. published? Well, that's, you know, have have I got a real business if I'm not doing, you know, like running a traditional business? Like neither yeah. of us run traditional businesses. No. So why, so therefore I, you know, from my own point of view, should mm. accept that it's so it, traditional has got nothing to do with it. It's the publishing part yeah. and getting the message out there and Definitely. the fact that I'm putting all of this effort into writing a book and it needs you know it's got to get out there it's got to definitely um, so yeah that's really lovely to hear yeah. and so you say the business came from writing the book how mm. what was the next steps in building the business after the book was written so the book is all about changing your perspective to transform your life and when we look up we can see other people we can change the view on our life we can look around us and see others in a different way which in turn changes us and changes our perspective and I wanted to make that happen for people I realized that I'd been on such a journey myself and recovered from my anxiety disorder and I wanted to be able to hold my hand back to someone and say I'm here I'm two or three steps ahead of you. This is the way. Take my hand and I'll lead you. And coaching was the natural progression from what I do every day as a teacher into helping adults and people who are in business, who are in organizations, who are running their own schools and they are leaders in their own right, but maybe they don't have the support above them or behind them to say have a listening ear or have a sounding board or have someone to be able to get like I said before have another pair of eyes on what you're doing to help you take the steps forward that you need Mm. yeah and so how long has been the business been running now so it'll have been a year I started yeah and it's 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 really interesting because Imposter syndrome shows up even after 20 years of teaching mm. because I'm doing something new 
even though I'm still doing exactly the same as what I've been doing for the last 20 years, which is helping people reach their full potential. You know, as a teacher, that's what you do. You identify strengths, weaknesses, and you're a problem solver because you say, right, this is what we could do. Why don't we give this a go? And I'm doing exactly the same in the business, but that wonderful imposter syndrome crops up and says, who do you think you are to coach people or to show people the way? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that you're right about, um, I love that I that vision of, you know, take my hand, I'm just two or three steps ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we all have imposter syndrome, but mine, again, is the same as mm-hmm. yours. Like, who do you think you are trying to help people? But it is just that idea of, well, you're only just, you just need to be a little bit further ahead. And actually that's the yeah. most, you're going to make the most impact with your clients if you are not that far ahead because they can still relate to you. You can't be, you, you can't have, um, like we wouldn't work well with a coach that's on like eight figures or something ridiculous because no. we just wouldn't be able to relate to their how we how are we going to get there? What's the yes. stepping stones? And yeah, and I think we the it's the expectations we set on ourselves of the progress we want our clients to make that that makes us have imposter syndrome. But really, it's just because we're just you know that little bit of, ahead of them. Yeah, and I think with what I've learned with. All of this kind of, this it's really interesting, like the inner critic, the imposter syndrome, these negative um, voices that come in, I've I've really changed my perspective on them. They are there to help me. Yeah. And I see them as friends now because um, they're, they're annoying friends, don't get yeah. me wrong, but they're the ones who will point things out and say, well, okay, if you care enough about this, like you say you do, you'll want to do a really good job. Yeah. And so that, why do you think you could do this? Who do you think you are? It comes from a place of this matters so much. I want to do my best and I want to be able to support people. And I want to be able to write an amazing book. I want to be able to write a great blog. I want to be able to show up for my clients in the best way possible. That's where it's coming from now rather than a you're not good enough because then my retort is well okay well let me see how I can be good enough (laughs) yeah let's see how I can get better okay yeah I might not have been that great at doing this that and the other but yeah there's room for improvement there always is so let's improve you know yeah yeah so what's next then on the journey now you're gonna you're looking at full-time work so yes so the big the big leap this year the the thing that's the that has been the most scary and probably will be the most scary thing I've done for a long time is I have handed my notice in at the university that I work in and so I am stepping out of the education world if you like um academia and so yeah that's an interesting one because I'm very much a doer so I'm a doer and I'm like right okay if I'm going to be leaving my job spent a lot of time thinking about it talk to you about it talk to other people who've been in the same situation you know I'd always recommend go and speak to people who have done what you're wanting to do and Mm. get the highs the lows the good the bad the ugly 
Um, and I was like, right, if I'm going to do that, what do I need to do? So one of the things was practically clear my office, yeah, go in, empty my desk, get my books, sort stuff out. And as I was doing it, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm leaving all this behind. And then my kind of reframing kicked in and I was like, no, actually, you're taking all this with you. All of this time, all of this experience, all of this energy, all yeah. of the... You know, the times that I've sat with students with a box of tissues because of what they're going through, the times where I've been able to celebrate with them, all of that is coming with me. And I was just like, yes, that's, that feels so good to be able to say that. I'm taking it with me. I'm not leaving it behind. And again, it comes from that place of sometimes we so often feel like we can only do one thing. I can only be a teacher because that's all I've ever done. Yeah. And it's like, no, actually, life is so big. Life is so long. We have so much that we can bring. And if we start to just pivot slightly or look at things slightly, we can start to open up a world of possibilities and expectations that when we take those blinkers off, we never thought were were available to us, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you've got such a good way of words. It's good you write. Oh, thank you. The trouble is I got a captive audience now, you see. That's the thing with being a lecturer. You end up being able to talk and just, I don't know, I think that it's what I love about your podcast as well is the storytelling element of it and the power of us being able to share our stories and being able to talk about the things we go through because then we don't feel so alone when people listen to this and they may be a teacher or they may like in my book I interviewed an anesthetist and she said I've only ever been a doctor what can I do but she loved yoga and she was like well actually I could try yoga and teach yoga and that's what she started to do and I so often feel like we pigeonhole ourselves never mind society pigeonholing us we so often back ourselves into a corner and sometimes we've got to say, yeah, okay, let's, let's see what else is out there. Yeah. Scary, but fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. You've done it. Definitely. Now. Yeah. Done. Done and dusted. Like I said, you asked me in May. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling it's going to be a roller coaster and I'm just like, yeah, let's strap in and let's, let's see what happens yeah and I think I'd already said this to you like that's the biggest thing of not having um I didn't appreciate the impact that my probably my nervous system Mm. that the impact of my nervous system of going from such a disciplined structured life to total freedom Mm. in my in my work that was such a shock was huge because yeah. I was just built to listen for pips and move, you know, or yeah. I had every, every, every day I would have, you know, being part of the leadership team, I would have these meetings every morning. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I had such a routine. I had to leave at a certain time. I went a certain way and et cetera, et cetera. But having that without that routine and that structure, I mm. really did not cope with it. And, um, you know, and I think there's probably within my mental health, it got wor- a lot worse. It was so well, it was really bad um, before COVID. Um, but it did take another dip when once I wasn't at work and once mm. I wasn't in, at school because I just the structure was mm. like a, such a massive distraction from actually what was going on in my head. It yeah. was like I, I was a workaholic 
to be distract myself from what was going on in my head and how I was really feeling about life and then when I had the freedom and no distraction it was like a tidal wave hit me in the face um and then just slowly that's where I found the warrior energy and this go it's going back Mm. to what you you said you know we we it was probably about a year ago that I realized I can bring that all of that life is is exactly every single step has led me to exactly here and Mm -hmm. um, like my group program Project Warrior Boss when I sell that it's so easy to sell those spaces because I know that every single step that I've ever taken has led Mm -hmm. me to there because I'm not only supporting the women in there, I'm transforming from warriors to warriors, which I've been doing since I was like 16, working with adults with learning disabilities to um, actually teaching them in a, you know, as you know, trauma-informed approach and having like, and I did that master's degree, all of that Mm -hmm. trauma-informed, trauma-informed education focus. I was like, I've just, bloody spent all that time on a master's degree I'm not even in education anymore yeah. and then the light bulb of going no but I can still deliver a trauma-informed approach to the business owners oh my god and yeah it's that those sort of epiphanies that you have and but sometimes it can be too much space so it's so wonderful to hear that you are having these sort of epiphanies before you enter mm-hmm. that mass of freedom for then you yeah. to sort of recognize and go you know because I definitely would recommend create your own timetable structure and then tweak mm. it as you feel you know as you as you get used to it yeah because I just didn't I used to just come and drop Jackson off and just come and sit and be like what's supposed to be doing yeah. oh I've got to make some orders okay yeah what right what do I do then and then my yeah. mind would be it would just be so everything would be so quiet and my mind would be really loud yes yeah definitely and I think that there's so much in what you've said like our our brains love to go to the easiest, quickest, and most memorable experiences. Mm. So our default, it works a treat, you know, you default to that, where's the timetable, where's the structure, where's the, the, the bell that goes off. And if that's not there, the brain straight away is like, ah, yeah <laughs> what's going on I, I'm I'm actually in danger because I don't have what I usually have or yeah. what I'm used to or what's safe for me and something as simple as a timetable you think oh gosh wouldn't it be nice not to work to a timetable but your brain is like no, no I love a timetable <laughs> yeah but you know before I quit teaching like my sister's um a, a deputy head and we'd mm. always say like summer holidays we would struggle in the summer holidays and even the Easter. Christmas, not so much because so much happens at Christmas holidays, isn't it? But summer holidays, you're craving that time off and you're like, mm. oh, my God, I can't wait to do nothing. And then it happens and you're like, oh, my God, I feel I feel like shit. Oh my yeah. God. And m- now thinking about it, those summer holidays, it is like you take away you, yeah. you take away that structure from from where you are so built in and your brain doesn't know that makes such sense I have to set, tell my sister now like you have to put yeah. some tips in the room so you Definitely. Like, have that structure one of the things that I do with um so I've got a one-to-one with a head teacher at the moment and we plan for so we plan for the half terms and we plan for holidays in the same way she plans for 
her school day. So I'm like, right, what do you do when? How do you do it? What are you going to put in place? What do you need to make happen? Is there a deadline? And that could be going shopping or that could yeah. be taking the kids out, but it's planned in, which then gives that kind of security of I'm safe because I've got things in place, but yeah. you're enjoying yourself. You're, you know, out having a coffee instead of, you know, being in a, a classroom. Yeah. And I, like I I find, I mean, I've been doing it for a while now, but I have a, quite a, a rigid structure and block book mm-hmm. everything. So like today's podcast day, yesterday yeah. was Vivid Club and Project Warrior Boss Day. Tomorrow yeah. is making a Vivid Wire Day. And I, I feel so much better. And even to the point where in my schedule, it's like eight o'clock, drop Jackson off, 8.15, mm-hmm. go here, 8.45, I start this job, you know, like, and um, for some it is, too structured and I think some people go into that that, you know they don't want that but if you have Mm. had that rigidness around your life um you know be kind to yourself and put some kind of rigidity into your day so yeah it was so weird when you just said that it's like two epiphanies in my own brain about writing and having Mm. this like some days yeah amazing that's good yeah Um, so yeah so are you planning on writing anymore I am. Yeah. So I've got two projects on the go at the moment. So the first one is a book that's a co-authored book. Yeah. So this is the first time I've done anything like this. So there's a group um, and we're in a mastermind and we're writers in the sense of we want to write a story and we want to tell our story. And the book is called The One Thing I Want You to Know. And so we each write a chapter. And so my chapter is the one thing I want you to know is you are not alone. Mm. And it's going to be my story of coming through my recovery with all of the people around me asking for help, reaching out. And how as a result of community, I was able to become well and also be the be the better person as a result of it. So That's the first project. And then the second one is I am writing a book called Work, Rest and Play. And it's an A to Z guide on well-being. So I'm kind of bringing all my love of words and my alliteration. I love alliteration. I'm bringing my A to Z kind of uh, ideas to life in that book. And that'll be out next year then. And I'm going to self-publish again. I'm going to, you know, obviously if Penguin come knocking... I'm not going to say no. No, You know, I'm not going to say no. That would be wonderful. And to see my books in Waterstones, Tesco's, wherever, amazing. But why limit myself when there's a road ahead that I can take? And at the moment, that's the self-publishing route. So, yeah, so that'll be next year. Amazing. Right. And Mel Robbins published her, um, self-published her first book. Yeah. So yeah. Exactly. In good company. <laughs> Absolutely. So where, what would you, what, no, hold on. What would you ask, tell yourself 10 years ago that you wish mm. you knew then that you know now? Yeah. Oh, I thought about this. This is such a good question. You're such a good student. Like, I knew that oh, you would Yeah, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was journaling and I was like full on. But you know, I thought back, so 10 years ago, I was in the middle of my, the lead up to my breakdown. 
So it was quite a, it was a very difficult time actually, because I wasn't honest with myself. And I think that that's what I would say to myself. I would, I would, and I know we've talked about like regression therapy and going back and Mm. speaking to yourself and I, yeah, I would say to myself, I'd take myself by the shoulders and I'd look at my face and I would say to myself, I'd say, Sarah, you need to accept what you're going through and you need to ask for help. Mm. And I think that would be my biggest, I think, for anyone. I think you would need to accept what you're going through, whether that's good, bad, however it presents, accept where you're at. And if you need the help, if you need the support, which nine times out of 10 for anything we do, ask for it mm-hmm. and get the help you need. And I I thought about it. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, that's going to sound quite heavy. And I thought, no, because it is. It's what I would have said to myself, because I may not have gone through what I went through or I might might have gone through it differently. And. I think I would have had more support earlier on. Mm. Mm. I, I think being asking for help is traditionally seen as a weakness. Yes. When actually that is completely wrong and it's always been wrong. Asking for help is the bravest thing you can yeah. do. I was scared so of brave. asking for help. Mm. So it required bravery. It required absolute courage when I eventually did ask for help, which was, my gosh, that would have been five years later. Wow. Yeah, four, four or five years later. And I went through, I went through so much that I didn't need to go through yeah. because I wasn't brave enough to ask because we put so much in our way of thinking we've got to do it all and we've got to cope and we've got to manage and we've got to struggle on because to struggle is noble. Yes. Okay apparently yeah yeah martyrish but that's not the right word martyrism yeah but also be it's in a way the book you've written and how Mm. you're helping people would not be impactful without that period so it's like a bit of a paradox there isn't it it really is and I thought oh yeah you know if I hadn't have gone through that would I be where I am today would I have written the book and would I have had that journey of self-discovery in the way that I did? And I believe everything happens for a reason. And I also say in my book that it's having a breakdown is something I would not wish on my worst enemy, but it's something I'd recommend to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> in a really yeah. weird way, because it just was a wake-up call that I needed. Yeah. But the catalyst yeah to change your life yeah but I would say I yeah 10 years ago I should have asked for help I eventually did ask for help and that resulted in me becoming well so I think that yeah it it came through in the end it just might have happened sooner rather than later but yeah ask for help always we're here for each other yeah. I'm a firm believer, you know, we can achieve so much more together when we look to each other. Yeah, and we look up. 
because you can mm. see other people also just to say um i'm gonna put the link for your book in the show notes oh, fab. thank but you the thing that's fascinating was um who was it when um oh i'm trying to think of who which person it was now about when you look when you look up it makes your feet warm yes so that was amy peak she's that's uh, it amy i've just found it yeah so when you, like when you have your um you posture your it helps your heart beat more effectively to yeah. the blood to your feet i was like my friend carrie she's always blooming cold always got cold feet i'm just gonna tell her now so like, oh you're not standing up yeah. straight enough <laughs> yeah yeah open amazing, up everything it? and it's amazing because your your whole body is meant to be upright yeah and so when your diaphragm can work fully oxygen is able to fully circulate which can then result in better blood flow to your extremities your hands and your feet love so it. yeah so keep looking up yeah love it thank you so so much sarah uh, where can people find you so my website is www.saraalexcarter.com and i'm always on instagram at i am sarah alex carter so those are the best places to find me i'm dabbling in linkedin and pinterest so those are the two things that i'm kind of getting underway with but yeah come and say hi i would love to yeah chat with you more yeah and it's yeah it's been a pleasure chatting with you i've loved it it's been awesome Oh, thank you, my love. And also, just for listeners, tell go and follow these women. Tell people like I like the people to listeners to message the guests and say, "Oh, I found you on Claire's podcast. You said, you know, yeah. you're amazing." Because it just it's extra. It's just lovely to share your story. And I think mm. if you're listening to the podcast, it takes a lot for people mm. to share their stories because you feel you know it's it's not always just as easy as you're rocking up you do think you've prepared Mm. and it's just such a a lovely gift to give somebody a little Mm. quick message to just say I loved hearing you um, and then share it takes no time and it's completely free but it makes the world of difference to you know people like me and you so if you're listening and you haven't done it please please thank you do it okay (laughs) amazing (laughs) thanks lovely have an amazing day and you take care bye thank you so much for listening to the no rest for the baby podcast written produced and hosted by claire hill and music has been composed by my brother phil v